Hello and welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we explore our year in the national parks, our international travel experiences, and our love for everything budget travel. We're Cole and Elizabeth Donaldson, a regular Midwest couple who quit our jobs and set off on a year-long adventure to all 59 U.S. national parks in 2016. That set off our travel addiction, and since then, we've visited over 50 countries. We've made travel a priority without breaking the bank, and we're here to share that with you. Cole. Yes. I already uh, feel like I accomplished... Remember when we said we were going to start every podcast by saying Cole, and you were going to say Elizabeth? Oh, yeah. Or opposite. Name name recognition. And you just said yes. (laughs) (laughs) I was was listening to an old podcast and seeing if you remembered, but you didn't. Elizabeth. Cole. Elizabeth. What? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I I was just going to say I already feel like I accomplished one of my major travel goals for 2018. Yeah, that was a big Wait, one. 2019. It, it is not 2018 anymore, so it would be a little so, bit not impressive. Yeah, hopefully I accomplished all those goals. No, um, yeah, it was a big one, and it was getting the Southwest Companion Pass. It's something we haven't ever used before, but I'm super excited that just within the first two months we were able to get it um, for now the rest of this calendar year. And then all of the next calendar year as well. So we're going all over the Southwest, right? Exactly. That's exactly where Southwest flies. Only the Southwest. No, for anybody who's not familiar with what that means, the Southwest Companion Pass um, is really an amazing deal. Uh, You can get this pass and it allows you to fly, designate a companion, and... Uh, they can fly for free with you whenever you book a flight. So all you have to do to earn that pass is either fly 100 Southwest flights or uh, earn 110,000 Southwest miles in one year. Uh, And then you get the, you know, get that buy one, get one basically. So I just used two Southwest credit card sign-up bonuses, which do count towards your point totals, uh, to earn it. There was a personal for 40,000 points, uh, and I got that in January. And then the Southwest business card um, got that and made the minimum spend in February to get 60,000 points. So that was 100,000, add on top of that the minimum spend that I did, plus a few thousand more, and you're at your 110,000, and now we have... Some trips to plan. That's right. We gotta, we gotta go some places. Yeah. Starting um, next week, we're leaving for our baby moon. But not through Southwest. Well, we get there... Well, we are using Southwest, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's complicated. We'll explain it later. No our need. next podcast, I think, is going to be all about our baby moon. Hopefully it's successful and we don't have the baby there. <laughs> yeah, right. That's that the goal. <laughs> not the point of the baby moon. But then even after that, we get to do a few remote uh, week trips. I'm going to be working remote from a few of the uh, U.S. cities that we've always wanted to get to. Yeah, we've planned some uh, three exciting little week trips that we're going to do. So Cole works remotely, so he works at home. He can work from just about anywhere. 
Um, so we're going to take advantage of that this spring and do some uh, trips with the with our Southwest Companion Pass. So we'll be talking more about that too when we are on those trips. Yeah, and we actually um, already have a nice little backpack that we're going to be able to use and take everywhere and I'm going to be able to do my remote week and go to all the coffee shops <laughs> and everything like that just slide everything into this uh, nice new backpack we got you want to yeah the company so a company Huru uh, sent us a, a one of their one of their nice backpacks one of their travel pack backpacks and uh, we don't I you guys know that we don't really do ads we don't usually um, we're very picky with what kind of companies we talk about on our website, but this is a really cool one. So Huru sent us this backpack and we tested it out um, on one of our trips over winter break. And it's great. It's like super, super, it's just super high quality. You can really tell the difference between a high quality backpack and some of the other ones that we've bought from Amazon that we use on our trips too. <laughs> so this one was, this one's really cool though. Yeah, what I like about it is that you can just tell it's really durable. It's it's quality material, and it also looks pretty stylish. You know, the backpack that I was using when I was in grad school was just uh, Jan Sport or whatever, uh, High Sierra. Um, just looks really bulky and everything, but this one's pretty sleek, trim. It's got one of those, you know, flaps that are, anyway. <laughs> it's good for a laptop. And it's yeah. called the Huru, which H-U-R-U, uh, Huru H2 backpack specifically. And if you, if anyone's interested in checking them out or ordering through Huru, um, you can actually use the code SWITCHBACKKIDS to get 7% off of your order. So just throwing it out there. Yeah, for sure. So we, let's get on to the main subject for discussion after uh, chatting and hopefully making some people uh, jealous about our companion pass to get their own. Um, we today are talking all about the 61st National Park in the U.S., the one and only Indiana Dunes. Yeah, big news from the National Park Service. Mm-hmm. Blah, sh- February 15th. February 15th. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> A couple weeks ago now. Um, I, I've lost track because I've been sick for a month. <laughs> my, my stuffiness won't go away. It just is like a pregnancy thing, I guess. But anyway, February 15th was a big day in the national parks because Indiana Dunes was named the 61st National Park. Now, it had been in the National Park Service. So that's part of the confusion, I think, um, that's being thrown around. But... Yeah, in 1966, actually, it became a national lakeshore, Mm -hmm. uh, and that is one of the 18 or so designations of the National Park Service um, that can protect land. But the top, the coup de grace of um, designations is, of course, the National Park designation, and there were 59 national parks when we did our big trip during the NPS Centennial 2015 to 2016. So we visited all of those. Um, It just so happened the 60th National Park was in our own backyard here in St. Louis, Gateway Arch National Park. And then last month, we got this new one. And uh, it's a big deal because it doesn't happen very often at all. Um, The ones before 
Indiana Dunes and the Arch were pinnacles in 2013. Then there was also um, Great Sand Dunes in 2004, Congaree in 2003, Cuyahoga Valley 2000, and then you know about five more in the 90s. Um, but it doesn't happen very often. There's maybe three or so a decade. Um, and when it happens, it's a really big deal. And it um, people have some opinions, especially <laughs> park nuts like us, on whether a certain area deserves national park status. So what we want to cover in this podcast is first introduce everybody to Indiana Dunes National Park because we've been there twice and it was a great experience both times. We're going to go again now that it's a national park. So give we got to get our official stamp. Exactly. <laughs> That's what it's actually all about. <laughs> um, now we'll give you a brief history, what to expect when you go, uh, what we did when we went. And then for part two, we'll get into why we are super excited that it's a national park and think it really deserves it. Um, and throughout, we'll kind of throw in some comments from... Kaylee from Indiana Dunes Tourism, um, who we spoke to over the phone. We didn't get in touch with a National Park Service person, but we wanted to bring somebody's first person perspective into this conversation. So Kaylee is out of the Tourism Bureau there, and they actually share a visitor center with the National Park um, so they would just work super tightly and I think she'll have some great, um, uh, well, I know she has some great insights to pepper in. Yeah. And I think, I think part of the reason why the, um, the tourism board or the tourism bureau for, for Indiana Dunes is married so closely to the lakeshore is that the Indiana Dunes area is, is really <clears throat> just defined as like a larger region. So beyond just the smallish, um, relative to other national parks, the smallish Indiana Dunes National Park, um, the area also consists of Indiana Dunes State Park. It, there's a nature, uh, natural preserve, Dunes, what is that? Dunes Prairie Nature Preserve. Hoosier Prairie. It was one of them. Is Dunes Prairie another one? Probably, yeah. I think that according to... According to my research, okay, um, <laughs> we have we have all different. <laughs> there's pieces a lot of, of research. There, there's here. basically this giant stretch of semi-protected to protected uh, lakeshore area from Gary, Indiana, to Michigan City, Indiana. Mm-hmm. So throughout that whole stretch, there's city parks, um, state parks, national parks now, and uh, nature preserves. Yeah. So when we talk about this area, we're going to be kind of touching on a lot of that. And that's, I think, why, um, why so much of that of the different park agencies are kind of combined in this tourism uh, center. Yeah, and, and why don't I start then by grounding people to where Indiana Dunes National Park is physically? Uh, it is in the northwestern corner of Indiana, uh, which. Uh, I still, if you don't know the Midwest um, geography that well, I want, I will try not to judge you, 
but it's um, in between Illinois and Ohio and Michigan you ha- and Kentucky. You have Indiana sandwiched there. Um, Indiana Dunes is on the top left corner, right on the 45-mile section of coast that Indiana has. So it's right at the bottom of Lake Michigan, and the park itself as Elizabeth mentioned, is sandwiched between two cities uh, and has 15 miles of coastline of its own that it protects. And within that 15 miles, it has 15,000 acres. And um, it's a pretty, you know, it's not a super remote area just because it's a very developed shoreline overall along all of Lake Michigan. Um, but there's definitely some, uh, I mean, there's just a lot of nature there. So it's not like um, you're, you're seeing development within the park, but you don't have to go far beyond the boundaries to be in a city. I'll say it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's similar to just, we'll touch on, we'll touch more about the whole national park idea later in the podcast. But I think that's similar to other recently Uh, named national parks I think the push to protect these areas that are um, so close to development is is a is a new not not necessarily a new uh, concern but I definitely think it's part of the current idea of the National Park Service Mm -hmm. so that's why we that's why you do see some of these more urban national parks more recently so now we know where geographically Indiana Dunes is. What is the park all about? Well, the park is a lot of things. For us, we had a, we had a really good experience at Indiana Dunes. Um, we did a lot of hiking. We drove around some of the scenic drive areas. We did some kayaking. We even did a little bit of biking. Um, and then we just had fun kind of in the area. So if we want to get into some specifics... Let's name just a couple of our favorite trails. Yeah. So we really liked the West Beach Loop. I think it was a combination of like three loop trails that you can kind of put together. Um, but that took you through a few different um, terrains, I guess, and up to the beach as well. Um, so that was a good one. It's 3.6 miles. The other one that we really liked was the Three Dune Challenge. And that is technically in the state park. So it's not in the national park, but a really good way to to get really tired on the dunes. <laughs> yeah, it's only one. <laughs> like point, feel like you're gonna die. It's only one point five miles. Uh, it was really but, hard, but it's a hard one point five. Yeah. Um, but just uh, super fun, um, and you know, if you um, and there's also all kinds of other trails and routes. It's a big network of paths uh, that's over 50 miles. So get just get lost and you know run around and find find your own trail. Um, but if you're not into trails at all, uh, you like we said, there's a nice biking path. We at one point uh, rented bikes from a place called Flower Power, which pedal power, pedal, <laughs> pedal power. <laughs> it's at the yeah, it's at the visitor like center, that. and you can we just biked like two two ish miles down to the beach for sunset and then biked back. Um, so that was another good thing. There's a few other biking trails. Eventually, when I'm not pregnant, we want to do the Imagination Glen out back 
mountain biking trail, which is like a 10 mile mountain biking trail in the nearby area. So that would be really fun. There's also a few paved, like longer paved trails. And then kayaking. Kayaking was really fun in this area too. Mm -hmm. We just went with our little inflatable kayak and it was perfect because it's not, you know, heavy duty whitewater or anything. It's a a nice lake we put in at one point. um, And that was in a little... um, A city park called Marquette Park. Yeah. And that had like a little lagoon that you could kayak up um, underneath some bridges and up against some dunes. So that was nice. It was it was just a really short little paddle. Um, nothing too uh, strenuous. <laughs> we also put in at a creek called Trail Creek, which is just 15 minutes or so east of Chesterson, uh, Chesteron in Chesterton. Michigan. Oh, Chester. Chesterton. <laughs> That's so a typo just, in my notes. Yeah, um, it's 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 just it's in Michigan. It's close. City. It's yeah. it's in a nearby city. Yeah. Nice, uh, but a nice creek paddle, uh, and then. It, other stuff you can do. We mentioned we went to the beach, and that's super popular in um, the summer. And actually, Kaylee had something to mention about that. The main beaches, which would be West Beach at the National Park, um, or uh, the Indiana Dunes State Park Beach. While those are generally pretty crowded in June, July, um, there are many, many other places where you can have a smaller beach experience or. Um, Portage Lakefront, for example, is like not really um, your traditional idea of a beach, but it has a really beautiful walk like around the lakefront and other hiking opportunities. And um, the, the the beach for us was it wasn't that crowded. It was an awesome sunset spot, um, and it totally good place recommend... to cool off after the three dune challenge. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's really cold. Right. So unless you're in the like the middle of the summer where it's so hot outside that you just want to get into the water. I think we were there in September. So it wasn't like we wanted to swim necessarily. Once in May and once in September. And we didn't want to swim either time. Yeah, it would be a shame not to mention the beach because that is probably why most people visit. Um, But of course, we were more into the the hiking and the kayaking and and the, the history and the learning about the dunes and how important the dunes are to the overall ecosystem. And that was really interesting to us. And it really, with so many different activities, you know, it can be a family-friendly vacation, it can be a couple's weekend like we wrote about on our blog. Uh, it can uh, be just a nice, long, extended weekend or a family reunion. It's, um, it can be a really nice getaway from Chicago. Yeah, it's only one hour away. Mm-hmm. Um, but the campground, I was getting to the point that the campground is, um, uh, what's it called? It, it's called the, um, oh, I didn't write down what it was called. Isn't it, it's not West Beach? No. Anyway, the campground is $25 per night, but it's first come, first serve, and there's only 67 sites. So I know in the summer they'll go fast. Uh, so just if you do want to camp, make sure you're taking that into account. Um, so that's all kinds of stuff there is to do. Um, and actually, it, when I was talking to Kaylee, she offered a really good tip to keep in mind as well. But we already do have uh, quite 
that they have difficulty with parking during the busy season, which is really June and July. Um, so if you drive all the way north on 49, that's where you get to the entrance of the Indiana State Park. That is the main beach that people know of because it's right at the end of the major highway. Um, that beach, we always tell people, like, try to come on a weekday, get there before 11 a.m. or you probably won't get it. So we're always a huge uh, proponent of the visitor center and the one at Indiana Dunes is actually uh, exceptional. So they'll point you into all the right stuff in the park and it's 15 different pieces of the park because it's divided into 15 different sections of land. So it, it's a little, it might even take a little more explanation than usual when you're visiting a national park to understand all that Indiana Dunes as a park uh, has to offer. But the Indiana Dunes tourism part of that visitor center can also tell you about um, the stuff to do in the area. Yeah, because the the area, like we've said, like we've said, it kind of is this like puzzle of this network of lots of little areas and um, it can be confusing <laughs> to try to find the best things to do. Um, so definitely hit up the visitor center and they can help you. But the, um, some, some of our favorite things, so we spent a weekend there and it's close to Valparaiso, right? Mm -hmm. So we spent the day in Valparaiso, right? At least Mm -hmm. in the afternoon. I think we did the three noon challenge in the morning and then Valparaiso in the afternoon. And, um... There's just beyond just, there's a lot of ways to like recover from your, not recover, but there's a lot of ways to uh, supplement your national parkness with some good food, some good events, uh, some good city stuff too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think we've given people hopefully a good picture of what they could experience when they're there. Um, there's also, uh, it's a huge birding um, destination, and there's a huge birders conference or event in May that um, it draws people from all over, and that actually segues into what I wanted to mention next, which is the most special piece of Indiana Dunes is actually in a lot of people's minds, not the dunes themselves at all, but the fact that it is such a biodiverse place. It's so rich in all different types of animal species. Um, and not in like an obvious way, right? So that's the cool thing. I was I was really surprised to learn some of the, the facts and figures we learned just in the last couple of weeks um, after knowing that, after hearing that the park was named a park um there's been a lot of interesting things that we've kind of uh gotten into yeah so don't forget that piece as well go for the beach go for the sand dunes go for the history that we actually didn't even talk about it has all types of different homesteads and things like that to explore go for the wildlife and even the surrounding area. Um, just tons of diversity of uh, appeals that Indiana Dunes has. Um, so I guess with that, 
overview of the park itself, do you want to talk about actually how and why it's been made a national park and why we're so excited about it now? Yeah, the, the history of Indiana Dunes National Park is really interesting. Um, and the, the history of the creation of the park, I guess, is really interesting. Um, and you did a lot more research on this than I did. Uh, but we, we also wrote a long blog post about this. So you can go check it out also for all the information. Right. So we'll cover just the highlights of that blog post and, again, why we think Indiana Dunes really deserves to get the promotion from a national lakeshore to a national park. Um, and again, that was on February 15th of this year that it was made a national park. And um, it's a big deal for the region. Um, and it really, the biggest refrain that I heard from people I talked to was that they're so glad the national park, uh, the Indiana Dunes, is elevated to national park status so it can get the recognition it deserves and other people can see something that the people in the area have seen for a long time, that it's a really special place. Um, so why is that? We, we kind of detailed in our post um, seven different reasons that we think it deserves to be a national mm -hmm. park. Um, the biggest one by far is the world-class biodiversity it has. Um, it has the eighth highest plant biodiversity of all the 419 national park sites. It is, has... Um, and that's with 1,100 native plant species in this little tiny 15,000 acres of a park. It has 71 fish species, 60 butterflies. <laughs> um, it has 46 different types of mammals. And then 350 bird species, both resident and migratory, come through this area. Uh, and it's such a funnel because it's at the very bottom of Lake Michigan, and that's where a lot of different birds converge because they've been flying down or up the lakeshore, uh, and when they hit this point, that's when they start you know, just going straight inland and south through the middle of the country. Um, so that's a really special thing too, and the finish, to finish out the um, biodiversity, it's located in several different ecological transition zones. So that really uh, is what is causing this huge um, wealth of species because it's got things from woodlands to dunes to bogs, it's, which bogs are very rare in that part of the country. Um, and of course, the, the lake ecosystem as well. And because of all of these things, the, the interesting thing to me is that because of all of this biodiversity and the, the you know, its place as a, a, a crucial bird migration spot, um, Stephen Mather, the original National Park Service director, wanted to designate this as a national park back in 1916. So this was one of the first areas of the country that was slated to be a national park. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, with the creation of the with the new creation of the National Park Service in 1916. Yeah, and that is you know that's right <laughs> after in Rocky Mountain became a national park for context, and then you know that's right before famous parks like um, the Grand Canyon became a park. You know, so we're not talking about a park that really took um, that that was unknown. It, it was a park that was really. Um, on people's radar and would have been a park by all um, <laughs> by all accounts except for the fact that World War One um, took the spotlight. Yeah, and this just kind of pushed everything back, delayed everything. It all, you know, a lot of the, the resources were going towards the military instead and towards national defense. And so with, with you know, this, this huge swath of land that was supposed to be Sand Dunes National Park, kind of got divvied up into a lot of different, into the state park and the National Lakeshore in 1966, right? National Lakeshore. Mm -hmm. And the state park was actually the first piece of land protected in 1926 because um, it was interesting how it unfolded after it failed to gain recognition as a national park. Um, industry was rapidly moving in and in um, you know the the 19-teens, th there was a lot of worry that the dunes would disappear. There was actually a 200-foot high um, dune called Hoosier Slide. It was the highest they had, and it literally disappeared because a glass company nearby carried away the dune in railroad boxcars. Uh, for use in their factory. So it was a huge um, it, a huge concern at the time and people in the area stepped up. First they were able to get it protected as a state park. then it um, you know eventually they were able to put more and more protections around it. Um, and it did result in a little bit of a patchwork. But they got it done, and now I th I just think about how uh, thrilled these famous <clears throat> historical people in the area would be if they knew it was a national park. Yeah, yeah, to see their their uh, original vision finally realized mm -hmm. so many years later, <laughs> um, and that's you know we've heard some questions throughout the national park communities um, that we're involved in just about why it's a national park. Should it be a national park? Does it deserve to be a national park? And I think just knowing a little bit more of the context of how this area was created and first protected um, gives it all the <laughs> credit it deserves to, to, to have that highest honor of being a national park. Absolutely. And then e even beyond the historical context, the biodiversity, there's the pure geological rarity of the lakeshore. Um, it was formed by, you know, the amazing event of the last ice age when glaciers carved out the Great Lakes um, and left behind these dunes. The, it also, in my mind, a huge reason why it deserves to be on the list is because it contributes to the natural and geographic diversity of national parks. 
I talked about in my post how there are so many more parks named after mountain ranges, but there are so many fewer parks that celebrate you know this fantastic, incredible um, dunescape. Um, yeah, and as as important as mountains and you know protected mountains and rivers and and those beautiful like quote unquote national park you know ideas that you think of yeah the iconic pictures yeah beyond you think the of. I, yeah beyond the iconic idea of the national of the <laughs> mountain as the important part the there are so many other terrains and landscapes that are important to the overall ecosystem and I think this naming of Indiana Dunes National Park kind of contributes to that in a positive way. Yeah, so that's natural diversity and then geographic diversity is just there's so many parks out west. How many parks are in the Midwest? Um, I won't mention all the numbers, but I put them all in the post. Uh, And it's interesting to see the breakdown, but I think it's good that Indiana Dunes in Indiana, the state's first national park, um, really brings another layer of national park to the midwest especially when two of our parks are gateway arch and hot springs yes not necessarily (laughs) heavy hitters not the heaviest hitters um but also okay reason six it's surprisingly popular um it had 3.6 million visitors in 2018 so it is definitely merits the um the the traffic that it gets but that traffic puts it among the ranks of many different national parks. It's a, if it was a national park in 2018, it would actually be 14th most visited out of the 61. Um, and then the last reason, if, if like many people, you think that a national park's uh, beauty is its only you know, criteria, I challenge you to go to... Indiana Dunes and not think it's worthy because it, it is it is truly beautiful scenery. Maybe it whispers it a little more <laughs> like Everglades uh, and doesn't smack you in the face with it like Yosemite, but that beauty is still undeniable in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Who doesn't love beaches? Yeah. In right. the Midwest. Yeah. We love our beaches. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take what we can get too. <laughs> so... <clears throat> One of the biggest, you mentioned uh, some of the, a little pushback from people who have a set idea of what a national park is and are very hesitant to let uh, and accept newcomers into that elite uh, status. Um, One of the pushbacks is that it's just a marketing ploy for tourism and that's the only reason people want to be a national park. is that it will bring more people just by the name change. So, and that was a big, I think, the, you know, a big reason people are thinking that now is that was a, um, a big argument when Gateway Arch National Park was named, which we talked about back in episode 55, um, when, that, when the 60th National Park was created, and that was a big controversy too. Um, but this park is different. It's very, it's very different from from Gateway Arch. Um, so, just want to rem- remind everybody of that. 
And there's definitely going to be politicians and even people from, you know, the economic development of the region who are saying it's going to be great for our tourism. It's going to bring people to the area. And um, that, that is definitely true. But I would say even if they're making those comments that that doesn't mean that's the main reason people are excited about it being a national park or the supporters of it wanted it to be a national park. I truly believe based on everything we've outlined, you know, minutes ago that it deserves the status. And I actually asked Kaylee about, you know, what she thought. While yes, we are excited about the fact that it's going to bring in more tourism dollars, what's really important is is understanding the wildlife and the ecology and the history that we're really preserving by uh, giving it the status. There's just so much incredible history that, yeah, if you hear, okay, there's Indiana Dan, you see there's these huge sand hills, that might look kind of cool, but really what the National Park status means is um, this beautiful, diverse land gets to be like a part of the elite group that we know will be protected. So I guess to some, uh, really, we outlined a few more, you know, points that the naysayers made in our blog post. Um, so you can check that out if you're interested. But basically, Indiana Dunes is within uh, the, you know, it's not the smallest. There are a few that are smaller. It's definitely not the least visited. Uh, we talked <laughs> about that. Um, and it is a good addition to the system. I mean, is it going to be considered one of the crown jewels of the national parks? Probably not, because that is such a hollowed and elite and storied group. You know, you're never going to crack the ranks of Yosemite <laughs> there or won't Yellowstone. Be a, there won't ever be an, a new, another Yosemite or another Yellowstone. Exactly. And that's what I think the importance of this, of talking about this is, is that do we, what's what's the uh, what's the other side of that? Do we never create a new national park ever yes. again? Do we not expand the national parks system ever? So I think... Or do we work with what we have? Yeah, redefining redefining what a national park not redefining it but thinking about what a national park is in its definition so protecting natural cultural historical areas for preservation conservation recreation yeah right the literal definition from the website is how close was i (laughs) not that close generally quote generally large natural places having a wide variety of attributes at times including significant historic assets hunting mining and consumptive activities are not authorized oh well i was talking about the mission okay (laughs) i'll give you a break that's different i quoted it exactly yes (laughs) just kidding so Basically, I mean, I totally agree with with what you're saying that we um, the, the goal is to protect, you know, our amazing resources and and a added protection in the form of more recognition uh, and more respect for an area is all good in my book. Yeah, absolutely, and I think I I think that. Indiana Dunes kind of stays true to this 
this kind of this second century of the national parks, I guess. So back in 2016, the National Park Service celebrated its 100 years. Um, and in doing that, they kind of developed this plan, this call to action for the second 100 years of the National Park Service. And in it, they mention a lot of things like being relevant and using new, like going digital, using new technologies, um, reaching a more diverse communities. And I, I think what Indiana Dunes does, being close to Chicago, being in a new area in the Midwest where um, there aren't a lot of national parks and people aren't used to just, you know, being close to Yosemite and just going there for family trips in the summer. Um, I think I think it really fulfills that mission of the second hundred years of the National Park Service. For sure. So I guess, you know, my takeaway is I'm, after doing all this research, I'm more convinced than ever that Indiana Dunes it deserves to be a park. And I'm really excited to go visit it for our third time coming up. And You've I, convinced me. Oh, good. I if know only, it was a tough sell. If only Southwest flew there. <laughs> yeah. It's only four hours or something, isn't it? <laughs> right. Four or five hours from St. Louis. So I hope it's uh, you decide it's also worth the drive from wherever you are. Um, and that about does it for our intro description defense of Indiana Dunes. Yeah, definitely go check out. We've written more about Indiana Dunes than any other non-national park, I think, <laughs> That's, that wasn't a national park until a couple weeks ago. So it, it's kind of, we, we have a bias maybe um, because we've been there a few times, but go check out our posts. We have one about outdoor adventures. We have one about um, a couple's weekend in Indiana Dunes. And then we have our most recent one about the national park, the naming of, of Indiana Dunes National Park. So next weekend, or not next weekend, <laughs> uh, next month, uh, first Monday of the month, we just missed our release date this month by a day or two, but next, the first Monday of next month, we're going to come back to what we were talking about, um, our nat top natural sites and landmarks in our Africa uh, trip, our overland Africa trip and uh, hope you're interested in that. It's just some, we man, we saw some incredible stuff. Africa could give the US National Parks a run from for its money in some regards. Yeah, I think uh, it- That I, might be her, heresy, but uh, <laughs> it was amazing. I think it really, it, it was a good lesson for us that Africa is not, is not one thing. <laughs> Africa is a continent and it's so diverse in its landscapes. It has so many different things from the Mount Kilimanjaro to the beaches in Zanzibar that we went to to the second biggest canyon after the Grand Canyon, Fish River Canyon, and its um, own sand dunes. In and Namibia. its own sand dunes in, Nam in Namibia itself was just crazy. So I think we're super excited to talk about all of the best outdoor landscape. That's right. Experiences we had. But we had to break in with this breaking news of Indiana Dunes, the 61st National Park. So um, hope you enjoyed the episode. And until next time, thanks for checking us out today. Yeah, if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend. 
Give us a rating on iTunes. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. And you can always get more national parks and international travel videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks, Switchbacks out. out.